Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew 5, uh, verses 1 through 12, starting in verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's the word of God for us this morning. As I thought about this uh, scripture, uh, I was reminded of a time growing up, uh, you know, born and raised in Kentucky, uh, and and this one time that I experienced severe culture shock, that it's the first realization I, I ever have of how different places are entirely different. Uh, I, I finished fifth grade at Oklahoma Elementary in Louisville, and I started sixth grade at Gulfstream Elementary uh, in Miami, Florida. You see, my uncle had some business opportunities in Florida, and my mom and dad moved there to work for him. Now, it didn't take long for two things to happen when we moved there. First, it didn't take long for people to know we weren't from around there. We were basically strangers in a strange land. We dressed different. We talked different. We had a different way of life than most of the folks who lived around us. I remember the first day of school, I got on the, the school bus, and, and the bus driver said hello, and I said, hi back. And uh, she said, oh, man, you aren't from Florida, are you? And uh, I didn't even know why she would come to that conclusion, but I sounded different, um, and she recognized it immediately. And then the second thing that it didn't take long for me to realize is, is that I felt like Dorothy. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. One of the biggest examples that came to mind of when I thought about culture shock uh, was the difference. See, in, in Kentucky and in Louisville, we would go to Champs Roller Dome on uh, Friday night to the skating rink and uh, my brother and I, they, we were dropped off at a skating rink in Miami, and it was it was a different world. It felt like we had been abducted by an alien ship and, and landed in a foreign place. Uh, and I don't know, in my mind, it, 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 it seems like it was really, really a different world. And, and I remember that night uh, thinking, man, if... If I could click my heels together three times and get back to Kentucky, I would have. The point is, we were Kentuckians trying to live and mingle in a world that was totally different than the world we knew. Ultimately, that's Jesus' message for us in the scripture this morning. In this Sermon on the Mount, he's basically saying as Christ followers, as citizens of heaven, 
We have a standard of living. There's a standard of living in this world, but we're not citizens in this world anymore. We're aliens in this land, the Bible says. Just visitors, just passing through. Christ's ambassadors in this place. And, and, and as Christ's ambassadors, he lays out some things that we should do differently than the world around us does. So Some things that make this people of the world think they ain't from around here. Jesus is preaching this sermon, and, and I normally use three or four sermon points. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus has eight. And these are characteristics of people who have citizenship in heaven mingling in this world would have. Now, I was originally going to do all eight this morning, but uh, in the interest of not rushing through, this is part one of Jesus' sermon on the mount. Uh, there are eight points listed in your bulletin, uh, but we're only going to get to four today. There are eight on the PowerPoint, but we're going to disregard the uh, last four. And I'm going to be a little bit ahead uh, for the next week as I prepare for the message. But but eight Beatitudes. These Beatitudes should set us apart from the world we live in. The The first thing Jesus says here. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Verse 3 of our scripture, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it look like, church, to be spiritually poor? It's living with the knowledge that apart from Jesus' work on the cross, we have no hope. We're spiritually bankrupt without that. You take that out of our faith, and we're no more than a, a group that meets once or twice a week. Our faith is gone. We have no chance. We recognize that we have no chance of reconciling with God without Christ Jesus. Spiritually poor. Jesus is saying, in essence, be humble. Be humble. And, and this is the foundation he lays. He's, he's starting his sermon and this is where he leads from. Humility. All the other things he's going to teach in this sermon are built on that humility. Think about his parable, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And I want to read it for you because I just think it really summarizes what this humility <clears throat> looks like in our lives. This spiritually poor tax collector in this scripture, Luke 18 Verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves 
will be exhausted. And you know I love sports, and, and we don't see humility very often these days. <clears throat> a young man hits a three-point basket, and he pounds his chest. It's about me. Look how good I am. Where's humility? It's the same in our our spiritual world. We we have this tendency to bang our chest and say, "I'm a, I'm saved. Thank God I'm not like them." <clears throat> C.S. Lewis said, "Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking less of yourself." Don't think less of yourself, but think less of yourself. That all. Sit on that for a minute, and uh, it'll make your uh, smoke come out of your ears. And then not only does Jesus say, blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, verse 4 says, for they will be comforted. You know, we could take this verse in, in the wooden literal text of what What's being said there, this is what it says, so this is what it means, you know, but, or like we mourn and the Holy Spirit comforts, that's not an untrue statement, but there's this thought among biblical scholars that Jesus is talking about the mourning of our sins. Blessed are those who mourn their sins, for they will be comforted. Why? How can I be comforted? Because I mourn my sins because the price of those sins was paid on Calvary. We mourn them. Uh, church, every time we cross that line and we, we sin, we, we are in essence putting another nail on the cross. Who mourns their sins? Who does that? The spiritually poor, the people that aren't of this world, the, the visitors here. Remember, we're talking about being different than the culture we live in. Our citizenship is in heaven. The Bible says at this point, if you're a Christ follower, you are seated at the right hand of God with Christ Jesus. Now, you you figure that out and explain that to me, and uh, you get a prize because that's beyond my realm of capacity to even think or imagine that even though I'm here, the Bible says at the same time, I'm seated at the right hand of God with Christ Jesus. We're different. Our citizenship is in heaven. The earthly kingdom mourns different things than where our citizenship is. As Christ followers, he's saying we should mourn our sin. Those who mourn will be comforted. The comfort comes from knowing we're forgiven. Well, do we see society doesn't mourn their sin? Church, it's becoming more and more exalted, whatever it is. I got by with this, and it's a victory, not a, not a mourning. We should mourn those things that Or in our lives that shouldn't be. Mourn. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, says, Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom about your sins. 
Uh, that's not what we see. That's not what's all around us. We we see a world and we're mingling in a world. We're living in a world where sin is glorified and it's becoming more and more glorified on a daily basis. Mourn our sins. Jesus says when you do, you'll be comforted. Comforted in the fact to know that there was a price to pay for him and he paid it. Next, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Ancient Greek used this word for meekness to describe an animal who had been trained or tamed. You know, a 1,500-pound horse, it has a lot of power. But that power is controlled when it's trained a, a little bitty bit can control this 1,500-pound animal. It has all the power of a wild 1,500-pound animal, but it's tamed, it's controlled power, and you can turn it loose. But it has to be turned loose. And that's what Jesus is talking about. I read a story about circus elephants, and you know, when they're a baby, they're just a wooden stake in the ground and a chain on their leg kind of holds them in place. They can't run away. Well, and they, they get trained by that. And so they grow up and they become these large, large animals. And they could snap that chain. They could pull that stake out of the ground, but they don't because they're trained. It's this power controlled. And that's what Jesus is saying. Be meek. Blessed are the meek. The blessed are the ones who control that power. Jesus isn't calling us to be weak, but make sure that the power is under control. You know, do, do you think that a Pharisee in that parable uh, exuded meekness? I'm glad I'm not like them. Uh, I, I do this, this, and this, and this, and this, this. No, no that's... That's not only prideful. There's no meekness in that. We see that though in the tax collector as he pounded his chest and he mourned and he was meek to say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, Jesus in his life is the perfect example of what this looks like, this meekness. Philippians 2, 6-8 through 8, uh, says in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. This meekness. Jesus took the power and put it on the shelf and stepped into this world. Do we do that? We may be a powerful person at our work. But do we exude meekness? Remember, this is this is not our world. Again, we don't see meekness very often. And in fact, it's frowned upon. You're too weak and timid and meek. 
and then the last point this week, and then we'll, like I said, we'll pick up with the other four that Jesus talked about next week. But but he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? They will be filled. You hunger and thirst for righteousness and you'll find it. Uh, if, if I'm cooking or if I make something and I may drop a piece of food and, and, and our dog Trixie, she'll pounce on it. But uh, she she doesn't think that that's all. Her nose covers every inch of the kitchen floor thinking maybe that I missed, that I she missed something that I had dropped earlier. But she's relentless when searching for food. She's She hungers and thirsts so much that she won't rest until she finds something. You see, those whose citizenship is in this world, they hunger and thirst for personal gain. They hunger and thirst for themselves. But when your citizenship is in heaven, you got to hunger and thirst for something different. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. I know a guy who, he was telling me this story, he made this large purchase at Home Depot. And you know, he says how you do, you're going through the store and uh, you're not necessarily on a budget, but you want to know about how much your total is going to come to. And in his mind, he thought, well, this would be a little more than $500 uh, when it's all totaled. So he gets up there and he, he checks out and the cashier says, uh, that'll be $270. And he, you know, he paused for a second, but he thought in his mind, uh, something must have been on sale. <laughs> that was, that's great. That, what a blessing that it, it was half the price. So he gets the stuff and he loads it in his car and he goes home and he says as he, he wanted to look back over the receipt. And guess what? One of the large purchases, he had bought a, a roll of carpet for $200 and, and she didn't, you know, at Home Depot there scanning with a gun, and she just didn't scan it. Maybe she thought she did, and uh, she didn't. But he told his wife and his son, he said, hey, I got to go back to Home Depot. They didn't charge me for the carpet. Well, and the, the son said, well, Dad, why don't you look at that as a blessing? They didn't charge you for it. That's a blessing, and, and that's... That's not surprising because that's what the world would think. Hey, their fault. They didn't do it. So therefore you reap the benefits from it. But he knew he couldn't do it. He said he, there's no way he could have slept at night knowing that he did this with the knowledge that they didn't pay. Now, he deep down he hoped he'd get back there and the manager would say, no, go ahead. It was our mistake. You have it. But, uh, you know, he went back and um, the manager took care of it and he paid the $200. And uh, the manager said, I got to be honest with you, sir. Uh, most people would not have done this. And, you know, he said that I'm not most people. And uh, the Holy Spirit would have convicted me uh, to the point where I couldn't do the simple task. So I wanted to come and make this right. And, and the manager thanked him. And so in that hungering and thirsting, he, he hungered and thirsted for it. He sought it out. He, he wanted to be righteous in, in the way that he treated this store. 
When was the last time we hungered and thirsted for God? We're satisfied. Citizens of this kingdom find satisfaction, but it's not sustainable. I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's talking about this righteousness that we seek. Not only do followers of Jesus renounce their rights, they renounce their own righteousness too. They get no praise for their achievements or sacrifices. They cannot have righteousness except by hungering and thirsting for it. I'm paraphrasing, but he goes on in this uh, dissertation about righteousness and hungering and thirsting for it. He says the more you become a Christ follower, the hungrier you get. We have this empty stomach that we can't fill up with this righteousness. Because the more we get of it, the more we want. You ever gone someplace and you aren't even hungry, but there's food, so so you eat for the sake of eating? You aren't even hungry, but you eat it anyway. That's not as satisfying as when you're truly hungry for something and you get it. I, I love German chocolate cake, and I don't get it very often. But when I do, I enjoy it more. If I if you made me a German chocolate cake every day, I'm not sure I'd get sick of it, but I think I might. I usually get get that around my birthday. And when I get it, it I, I, I kind of hunger for it. My, my mouth waters just now talking about it and thinking about a, a warm piece of German chocolate cake with a cold glass of milk. Hunger and thirst for it. Do we do that with God? Do we see that even the citizens of heaven? Do we do that? Are you are you hungry? Everybody here this morning got up and came to church. Did you come to eat just because the food was there? It's Sunday morning. It's what we do. We go to church. Or did you come hungry? What are you hungering for? I guarantee you, Less than 3% of the the world here in Washington County got up this morning hungering and thirsting for God so much so that they, they went and sought it out. They went and sought out the food. This bread of life that Christ offers us. Oh man, I want to have that hunger and thirst. As a pastor, it's hard church. Because oftentimes I'm in the word of God. I'm reading or preparing something. I'm preparing something for the Sunday night Bible study or the or the sermon. I'm not even eating. I'm cooking. Man, can you imagine cooking the food and then never getting to eat it? That's kind of how I do myself and it's my fault. I need a hunger and thirst for this righteousness. And then I'll be filled. Don't be hungry and thirsty for what this world is hungry and thirsty for. Me, me, me. We're hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just thank you that you tell us over and over again that we're supposed to look different than this world around us. We're supposed to live and act differently. We're supposed to be humble and meek. 
Lord, we're supposed to hunger and thirst for you. I just pray for each and every one of us here this morning that that would be our hunger and our thirst. That you would be at the center of everything we want and everything we need in this life. Lord, I thank you so much and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.